0: And it's kind of been a theme that I've been coming back to lately. And it's this whole idea of just just surrender and letting God do go way beyond what we could ever do for ourselves. Not trusting in our own resources, just giving him our our lives so that he can come through in ways that we never, you know, we would never think possible, never would be possible apart from our trust and living faith in a God. Who can do the miraculous and and so for me it's just a daily surrender. It's been a daily, um, a daily, um, just laying things at his feet that I know I kind of pick back up again, you know, in my own in my own uh, desire to move forward with something or accomplish something and not wait on God. And I just I just uh, have this sense that God is is moving us as a church as well into this just deeper level of trust in, in Him. And with that with that trust comes relationship, right? Uh, that's, they go hand in hand. And so a deeper connection with the Lord, our Father who wants to lavish his gifts, lavish his care, his provision on our lives as we come into a, a, just a deeper level of trust relationship with him. And you know, the Old Testament abounds with stories like this. We often don't go there. We often look at, uh, um, at that, it's kind of being a little more of the law and, and things, and yet there's so many stories in the Old Testament. There's so many examples of where God challenged His people to trust Him in greater degrees and greater levels, and where God and it was just it, there's glimpses of 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 grace, and there's glimpses of of um, all the things that we kind of are are expanded upon in the New Testament. It's, it begins there in the Old Testament, these stories, and how God weaves it all together. It's just beautiful, right? The Word of God is amazing. Um, and so I'm going to look at together, let's look at together um, this uh, chapter in Second Kings, chapter 5. It's a story of Naaman. A story of Naaman. How many have heard of Naaman? Yeah? So he was a, he was a great man. Uh, He was uh, served second in command to the king of Aram. He was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was uh, one of the ones that is prophesied about in the Old Testament that God was going to extend his love, extend his compassion, extend his grace upon non-Jews. He would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And so this is just one example where God shows his love and care for a man who is outside of Israel, um, and yet um, very, um, very much a part of God's plan, and uh, we see that time and time again, and, um, and so again, it's, it's, uh, it's about this man named Naaman, his encounter with the prophet Elisha, uh, and, um, and it, it really, really reveals how God chooses to reveal his love. It shows us how God chooses to reveal his love to everyone and his love for um, everyone, even those outside the Jewish community or the Hebrews. So um, he was a great man, a valiant man, it says, um, in the army of the king of Aram, and he was second in command to the king. Um, Ar- Aram uh, and Israel had an interesting uh, relationship. They were enemies. Um, Aram was north of Israel and Syria. Uh, it was a very dark and, and pagan Nation, and yet there was this man named Naaman who um, it was just a, um, a perfect opportunity for him to have an encounter with the living God and uh, find find healing uh, from him. And um, but it is a story about having to deal with um, pride and independence uh, um, uh, before we can accept the grace of God and how God takes us through those seasons in our lives where we. Where we struggle with our own pride, our own yeah, I can do this, I have the resources, I have um, what I need i don 't need you god um, and we we it was a period of decline as well in in the in the israel in the nation of Israel, um, both in Judah and in Israel, and so it was a it was um, they were they were steadily declining into idolatry and and into um uh, captivity eventually, and and but um, we, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, as a nation, are in a period of decline. Certainly, in in terms of um, how far we've come from God, how far we've strayed from God and His ways, His principles, those core biblical values that should be part of our nation. That. Um, are not that have been rejected, and so we live in a people in a place of decline as well, and so we have a lot of people, um, and and a lot of us I think l- can be succumb to the illusion that we are uh, we are we are great in terms of uh, great as a nation, and we are a great nation. I, I am patriotic, by the way, but we are a great nation, and yet we have declined in such a great. Way haven't we, uh, in in so many ways, and and yet within that context, um, there's a lot of people like Naaman, who consider themselves great people, resourceful people, independent people, accomplished people, and yet who have nothing really but lies to base it on, um, in terms of how they define that, how they how they. Uh, Evaluate themselves It's based on the world and, and its values of, of what greatness is. And God, how many of you know, God redefines greatness, right, in the scriptures. He's constantly challenging us with what greatness it really is. And uh, He turns it all upside down, right, in our, in our lives a lot of times. And um, if we're really listening and, and hearing what scripture says, it turns it upside down for us in a lot of ways. So, he But, like God did with naaman he he will do uh, with others uh, stubborn, independent uh, people like myself who uh, stray. He will do that, and he will do that with a nation as well so i 'm hopeful that God can return a nation around i 'm hopeful i 'm believing that God can revive a nation, can restore a nation uh, it takes it takes uh, people who are willing to admit their uh, their own guilt and failures and, and um, come to their wits' end many times, just like many of us have, done, have come to in terms of where we, went, where, where we were when we, when we uh, encountered Jesus and, and, and uh, came into relationship with God. So this story, though, is a lot. Of, and the whole chapter, it's a lot to read tonight, but I think we're just going to kind of go through it a little bit. And if we don't make, get through it all, that's okay but um and i'm not going to look at that clock that right? yeah. okay all right we've got all right i'm 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 watching um, it's also you know this story is also about individual responses and it's really interesting as we read a little bit of this look at the at the pay attention to um Pay attention to God's grace and how it's weaved in through, and pay attention to God's indiv- or individual's responses and how, they, um, how different people, not just Naaman, but other people react and respond. Um, it challenges our thinking and assumptions, this, this chapter. I was challenged, and especially when we view it in light of New Testament revelation, there's a message of grace, a message of grace uh, in the Old Testament, and particularly this chapter as well. So... Greatness. Um, I'm going to read the first 13 verses. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Whenever there's a but, there's an opportunity, right? There's something there that we got to pay attention to a lot of times in Scripture. But he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. So she was a slave girl in the house of Naaman. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. How many of you would like to get a letter like that? (laughs) With this letter I am sending you my servant Naaman so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me? And they had an ongoing uh, quarrel going on, the the king of Aram and the king of Israel, so this wasn't new. He tore his robes, tearing tearing their clothes or tearing the robes or something just people did. It was a cultural thing. It was something they did to show their... Desperation, their frustration, their anger. Um, and so he tore, he tore his robes and, and just in utter frustration said, why, why am I being put in this situation? Well, when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God. Wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Par- uh, Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean, like that of a young boy. How many of you know God never does things halfway? This soldier, this, uh, this valiant general in the army, uh, second in command, his skin becomes like that of a young boy. Boy, uh, God never does things halfway. He goes all the way with his healing and with his restoration. Uh, Naaman was a great man, and he knew it. And uh, he was highly regarded. And he comes, as we, as we read here, he comes with this letter of recommendation to the king. Uh, and, um, or, or from the king, from the king uh, of Aram to the king of Israel. And he we see that this the, the king you know I almost kinda, I kind of picture the king of, of Aram saying, "Huh i 'll just put this king of Israel in a little tight predicament here i'm just going to write a nice little letter i don't know if he did it that way, but they had a quarrel going on, so maybe he just thought, you know, this'll just kind of get his goat a little bit if I, if I write this letter and put him in a predicament you know to cure to, to put this burden of I've got to cure this, this man. Well, obviously, he couldn't, he couldn't do that, but I think that he, the letter was maybe, maybe came with some interesting motives there. But he replied to Elijah's instruction, when, when we see here, when, when Elijah said, go and, and dip seven times in the River Jordan, and you'll be cleansed, you'll be cleansed, you'll be healed. Um, and, he, and, and what is, what is uh, Naaman's response? It's, it's anger, right? It's, it's how, could, how could this prophet... T- he, he didn't even come outside to meet me. He sent his messenger to the door to tell me what to do. He didn't have... You know the courtesy to to meet me. I'm a great man. I'm a I'm a hero, and 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 I should be honored that way. And so he had all these assumptions of how things should have went, but Elisha, um, but Elisha, by the spirit of God, was putting this man in a place of challenging his independence. God will do that sometimes, challenging our our sense of. Uh, resourcefulness, um, our sense of being able to get the job done on our own, um, our even our desire for maybe for attention or for affirmation. There are a lot of things here going on, but Elisha puts him in this place, and so he had a choice. Naaman had a choice, just like we do when we're faced with a word from the Lord, to to receive it as the word of the Lord and to go and to just take it, as it is, take it as his word, or to question, or to doubt, or, or to challenge it in some way. Um, sometimes God's word convicts, sometimes it, it, it encourages. Uh, God knows what we need at the time, but in this case, Naaman became angry. He didn't like uh, what Elisha had to tell, tell him, and what he was told, being told to do. Uh, Jordan was a muddy river. It wasn't a clean, clean river. It, it, he had lots of other uh, options as if he wanted clean water, but that wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. So he he, he storms off and and because uh, he was a great man, right? And he knew it. Well, you know. It, God, and I was talking earlier about God kind of flipping things around so often in terms of how we define greatness. And this is what's going on in Naaman's heart and life right now, in his mind, in terms of um, this being challenged in this way to trust the living God, to agree with his word, to obey his word. Um, yeah, so he, we, God uses simple servants. In this case, to instruct in his ways, isn't it amazing how God takes? He turn, again. He turns it all upside down, and he uses. First of all, he uses a a servant uh, girl uh, who was cap who who was taken captive from Israel, and was now uh, a slave girl in the house of Naaman to to get to kind of put this whole chain of events in motion. Really, right? He's using a servant girl, and um, and then and then as we go on in the story, we see how God is using um, where He's using the servants of Naaman to 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 challenge His thinking as well, and they were saying, "Hey, you know, if if you were if Elisha told you to do some great thing, you would do it, right? You're." You know, why not this simple thing? And so he's being challenged again by servants, and so God turns it all upside down, and I, I think that it's, it's amazing how God takes ordinary, common people, and you never know how much influence he's going to have, how we're going to have, through a relationship with him. No matter what sto- social status or station in life we're in, God can use people in great ways. God can use us in amazing ways to give us influence and impact um, no matter where we're at in life. And because we all have that sphere of influence, we all have a voice that God can use, even as we see here where he used the the boldness of the servant girl, you know, she had to have some boldness to be able to say, say this to her master. Um, you know, so so... You know, I often think about, I was thinking about her and, you know, maybe she was thinking about, maybe maybe she was heard the stories of Elisha, miracles through Elijah, the prophet, and Elisha. Maybe she even lived in the same area and, and heard about the widow's son being healed or or the empty the the oil jars being filled, you know, out of God's miraculous provision. Maybe she heard these stories. Maybe she saw them. Maybe she played with that widow's son, uh, or the Shunammite son, you know, that that got healed. Um, who knows? But she had some connection there. She had some remembrance, and um, God used her. So it's really really uh, cool to see how God is using different people in this situation. Greatness can be found in the most unlikely places, and that challenges our understanding and causes us to ask, "How does God define greatness?" You know, we we see that again uh, many t- in, in in the teachings of Jesus when he's talking about um, whoever becomes like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and um, this whole relationship of trust goes right along with greatness in the kingdom, humility and trust um, are so important and that's how God measures greatness. Um, How we take him at his word, how we trust his him and his word. Um, The centurion centurion that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 7 is another one. Um, I'm not gonna tell the whole story but when they came to Jesus it says in Luke chapter 7 verse 4 they pleaded earnestly with him Speaking about the centurion, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. This centurion um, deserves, he's a great man. And so Jesus did go with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent his friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve you to come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus' response here, he was amazed at him and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the centurion's servant well, healed. And there's this greatness, the greatest among you, and I think this is, on the, um, this is up on the, the slide here, Matthew 23, verse 8 to 12. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus, you know, what is God impressed? What impresses God? And I think as we look at Jesus, uh, he was most impressed by humility and faith, um, taking God at his word um, in a spirit of humility. And that, those are not things that the world defines greatness by, right? The, those are totally opposite of what the, how the world defines greatness. And so God has no problems um, challenging our ideas of greatness and what it looks like and um, the testimonies of people who redefined greatness are throughout uh, church history. If you read some of the classics, if you if you hear, if you look at some of the the uh, the uh, biographies of, of of saints who've gone on before us, and missionaries, and and um, priests, and and common people who were just faithful to God. Um, Brother Lawrence, if you've heard of him, uh, was just he. He was a, he washed dishes in a monastery, and yet he wrote some of the most profound words on the spiritual discipline. Just incredible, incredible, insightful things because he was in the presence of God. He lived out of the presence of God, and he wrote out of the presence of God. And yet he was not great according to the world's standards. He, washed, he was a dishwasher, and yet God considered him great. And we have a testimony of this great saint who's gone before us in his writings and how he impacted, how he continues to impact through what he wrote. And um, it's just amazing. Um, Mother Teresa, you know, we can go on and on. A little child, Jesus said, is great. He took a little child in his arms and blessed him. Whoever welcomes one of these welcomes me you know, he's talking. It makes the difference. It's taking God at his word. It's really just saying, yes, God, this sounds crazy. This sounds uh, impossible. This sounds like it'll never work. This goes against my, this challenges my way of thinking. This goes against what I would consider um, the, the way to do it according to my ideas. And yet I take you at your word. That makes the difference. That redefines greatness. That separates great people from just the norm, the normal. So God's grace, and that's what I want to look at now. Kind of this, These are just some, some, some areas uh, of our lives that I think are challenged as we read this chapter. Um, one is this idea of our, our, our idea of God's greatness or what greatness is, and another one is God's grace, what grace is about. And um, verse 13 says, Naaman's servants went to him and said, we read this already, but if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more than when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, and his flesh was restored. Nobody can be good enough or moral enough or great enough to deserve God's grace. It doesn't stop us, though, from trying, Right. <laughs> It doesn't stop us a lot of times from trying. And that's what Naaman was wanting to do. He 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 fought against that, I'm sure. That that whole way that whole walk or ride or whatever it took for him to get down to the Jordan, I'm sure he fought with that all the way down there. You know? Just dip in the Jordan. in the nation of Israel in this muddy water dip in the Jordan seven times. I'm barely going to, I think he maybe just probably started with his big toe, you know, and just kind of, you know, he, I'm, it may have been repulsive, I don't know. But, but he eventually came to the place of laying that all down. And I don't know what went on and what the struggle he went through, but I know the struggles I go through. And we all go through those, eventually laying those things down. Naaman's thinking is common with a human condition, and um, the thinking goes like this. If I succeed like some difficult thing, I'll earn acceptance and approval. And he did succeed at many difficult things, many exploits. He was a conqueror. He was valiant. He did a lot of difficult things, and through that, Developed a mentality that that's how he earned acceptance and approval. That's how he proved his greatness. And then the next thing, you know, go wash in a river. Go wash in a muddy river. What kind of fool does this prophet take me for? <laughs> I got where I am today by a lot of hard work. Yeah? Yeah, pride's not accustomed to being told it cannot, ha- cannot have part in the process. Our pride just doesn't like that. Just doesn't like being told it cannot have a part. But nobody can be good, moral, or great enough to be deserving of God's grace and favor. It's laying it down. He gives us more grace. James 4, 6, he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. See, the issue in this case was not the washing but the obedience of faith, right? It was the obedience of faith in the command of God's prophet. Washing was simply the fruit. It was the result. It was simple yet powerful. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. We gotta go back to the word of the Lord. What does the word say? What is God saying? What does obedience look like in this situation for me? It's god won't make it complicated god gives us his word and makes it very clear god's love god's love all along for for the gentiles is demonstrated in this story of his compassion on naaman and it's one of the ways we see his compassion and his love and his grace throughout the old testament he loves to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. God del- loves to do that. He loves to show us himself mighty in our lives as we try, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. How have you been trying to get your way tonight? Like Naaman, kind of coming to God with your agenda with your preconceived ideas of how he should work and how he should move and how he should respond, how he should answer, or how other people should respond and how other people should answer, maybe it's time to just humbly submit to God's way. Whatever you have, Lord. Whatever you have, that's what I want because I know it's best. I know it's best. This, this goes on and, um, I think I might make it part two but but because I really want to just kind of camp on this whole idea of just surrender um and as you look at these these stories, we often kind of seem they often kind of seem so removed from us and and how how god but but if we really if we really look at some of these Stories in the Old Testament how God shows his grace and favor and his love and how God wants to do the same in our lives as we surrender to him. Um, surrender, to me, is is what God is speaking to my heart about. Surrender, trust, simple trust, not overcomplicating it, going back to the word, what does God say? Um, taking God at his word when when... Uh, when all around me screams, don't do it. It's too risky. It's uh, what will people think? Um, yeah, whatever thoughts we have that might be challenged in those situations. As we surrender tonight, as we surrender that, I think God wants to come in and just like he did in the life of Naaman, show himself able to accomplish his word perfectly in our lives, accomplish it perfectly. Not halfway, his skin became that of like a, like a little little boy, you know, just back to new, the newness, the, the freshness, the, the life, the vigor. God doesn't do things halfway, and so His word, when it is accomplished, always never returns void. It always accomplishes, we know, what it what it's sent forth to do. But it takes a measure of faith to say, yes, Lord, I'm a, I will take you at your word. I will take you at your word. Whatever you're calling me to do, um, even when it looks, uh, it goes against all reason, all against, against all human reason, all logic, um, I'm, like Naaman, I'm going to lay that down and just you know put jump in you know with but you know jump in the water and and let you do your work and step out of the boat whatever you wanna however you want to put it but um so let's just uh commit this seal this word to the Lord as, as you guys want to come up and let's just see